0: How many of you uh, were here when I preached in December? Awesome. It's good to see you again. In December, I had the the privilege of talking about the indwelling Christ. O come, O come, Emmanuel, that that Christ is with us. And I think it's kind of poetic that I have the opportunity to preach again on Pentecost Sunday, the day where we celebrate the indwelling spirit of God, that he came down in Acts chapter 2. Praise God that we do not walk this earth alone, that we are not on our own, and that because we have God with us, we can live fearlessly. And if you look in your notes, the, the, the way that I've defined fearless for you this morning, because I don't want you to think that, that uh, if you ever feel fear that you've somehow lost your salvation, fear is an emotion that you're going to feel in your life. I have felt many times. But fearless people acknowledge their fear and it loses its power over them. It doesn't grip them because they're not afraid to be afraid. They swallow that fear, and it goes away because God is with you, because God is in you. And and this morning, I'm going to talk to you about uh, a lady who who did some pretty fearless things. I'm excited to talk to you about her. And before I do, though, I want to ask you, you don't have to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or anything, because honestly, probably everyone's hand would go up in the air, but I don't want to embarrass you. I want you to think back to a time where you've made a really big mistake, where you've been so ashamed of what you did. A a time when, when you felt like yesterday's garbage, sitting out on the curb waiting to be picked up and tossed out. And I want to talk to you today about just that kind of person, someone that society tossed aside, someone that uh, even the church probably would have been a little wary of getting too close to, but someone that God chose to do something amazing with. And so if you would turn in your Bibles uh, to Joshua uh, chapter 2, this morning we're going to talk about Jericho, and not uh, not just Jericho, but but what God did leading up to it. So if you if you know this story, you know that the Israelites have gotten out of. Egypt, right? They, they've just been delivered. They've crossed the Red Sea. God is, is sending them to, to his land that he has for them, right? So it's God's people going to God's land, and it's going to be amazing. But there's one problem. There's a city in the way, and this city's got a big wall. Now, you've probably seen like pictures of castles and fortified cities before, but the wall around Jericho was something else entirely. The wall around Jericho was massive. It was unparalleled, The city had never been successfully breached in battle before. God knew this, and he sent him anyway. Take down Jericho. Take the land that I have for you. So how did they do it? How did they accomplish it? Right here in Joshua 2, we find out a key player in the taking down of Jericho. So if you would, Join me in Joshua chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Let's just jump into it. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men as spies secretly from Shittim, saying, Go, view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and they came into the house of a harlot, whose name was Rahab, and lodged there. It was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men from the sons of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land." And the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab saying, bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the men and hidden them. And she said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. It came about when it was time to shut the gate at dark that the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them and the stalks of flax which she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued them on the road to the Jordan, to the fords, and as soon as those who were pursuing them had gone out, they shut the gate. Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. When we heard it, our hearts melted, and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Now, therefore, please swear to me by the Lord, since I have dealt kindly with you, that you will also deal kindly with my father's household and give me a pledge of truth. And spare my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters with all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. So the men said to her, our life for yours, if you do not tell this business of ours. And it shall come about when the Lord gives us the land that we will deal kindly with you." And then she let them down by a rope through the window for her house was on the city wall so that she was living on the wall. She said to them, go to the hill country so the pursuers will not happen upon you and hide yourselves there for three days until the pursuers return. Then afterwards, you may go on your way. And men said to her, we shall be free from this oath to which you have made us swear. Unless when we come into the land, you tie this cord of scarlet thread in the window through which you let us down. And gather yourself into the house your father and your mother and your brothers and all your father's household. It shall come about that anyone who goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be free. But anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head if a hand is laid on him. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be free from the oath which you have made us swear. And she said, according to your words, so be it. So she sent them away, and they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord. In the window. A lot of reading just now. Let's pray. Lord, we give this service to you this morning. We thank you that we have such easy access to your word. Thank you for the truths that are held in it. I pray that over the next few minutes, Lord, that you speak to everyone in this room, through me or in spite of me, As the one with the microphone, Lord, I give it to you. Speak to us this morning. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Today I want to talk to you about what happens when you make a decision like Rahab did, when you decide to live fearlessly for God. You see, uh, Rahab uh, went through a bit of a journey in the few passages we just read, She had heard about what God had did, delivered the Israelites from the Egyptians. She had heard about the Red Sea. She heard about what they did to the Amorites. In other words, she's like, y'all some bad boys. I know what you did. And I ain't messing with you because I know what your God did. And I believe in him. And that belief... Coupled with what she did, her obedience delivered not just her, but her family. She said, you got to do a few things. You got to protect me. You also got to protect my mom and my dad and my brothers and my sisters and my cousin Vinny and everybody else. But our first point this morning comes out of uh, Joshua uh, chapter 2 verse 3. And the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab saying, bring out the men who have come to you who have entered your house for they have come to search out all the land. You see, when you decide to live fearlessly for God, point number one, you will have every opportunity to change your mind. Satan would love for you to change your mind. So when you decide to live fearlessly for God, there's gonna be opposition. There's gonna be opportunities to tap out and say, I quit, I give up, I'm sorry, Never mind." Now, don't take those opportunities, right? They're not from God. They're from the father of lies. And so that's what Rahab did well. She didn't change her mind. She knew that what she was doing was necessary. She knew the God that she was obeying, and she refused to change her mind. They come to her, and they say, where are the people? And she goes, I don't know. And she sends them away. And because of that, the spies are delivered. You see, when, when we have an opportunity to, to change our mind and we take it, well, what do you think would happen? Do you think God's not going to successfully take out Jericho? Do you think God's going to give up and turn around and go home? No, Jericho was going to fall no matter what. But Rahab had an opportunity to obey and therefore her family be saved. In point number two, which we're going to jump straight to here, uh, there's this uh, interesting passage where she says that since I have dealt kindly with you, please also deal kindly with me. And then she strikes a deal. Now, the word kindly is uh, a little bit odd because usually in Scripture, when this word is translated, the, the Hebrew word is hesed, it's translated into the word loving kindness, which another word for that would be covenantal love. So what's hidden in the text here is she's making a covenant with them. Since I have dealt kindly with you, since I have treated you with covenantal love, do the same to me. And that's why point number two is when you live fearlessly for God, he will cover you because that's what a covenant does. A covenant is an umbrella, right? When you have an umbrella, it doesn't mean it's not going to rain. It just means it's not going to rain on you. Yeah, I'm preaching this morning, I know. It took a second, but y'all are with me, all right. (laughs) So she made a covenant, because she knew the walls were coming down. She knew Jericho was going to fall, but she wanted to shelter her family. And so she made a covenant with them to save them. And what's really interesting, uh, in in verse 15, what we read is that her her house is actually built into the wall of Jericho. Now that kind of makes sense if you think about it. You know, I mean, again, what, she's, she's a harlot, right? She's a prostitute. So it would, it would make sense that she would have a, a, a home that is, is very conveniently placed for all the soldiers who come back after battle, right? They want to stop in the red light district. And so she has a very convenient location. It's built into the wall. But what do we know about Jericho? What's the big famous thing about Jericho, right? They walk around, they blow the trumpets and what happens to the walls? They fall down. But what did God say to her through the spies? To her house. Would not fall. Her house is built into the wall. So I want you to picture it right now. The Israelites are marching around the city. They're blowing the trumpets. Seven days pass. The walls come down, except for a little tiny sliver. There's a little piece of that wall right there, and that's where Rahab's house is, because God keeps his word. If you obey him, he will cover you. And when the city falls, your house will stand like a beacon. He is with you. I got to keep going. (laughs) Oh boy, Um, point number three, the greatest danger to your home will be what goes on inside your home. What did the spies tell her? When we leave, there is still something you need to do. Her job was not done. Put the scarlet cord in the window. Make sure everyone is in the house. If anyone leaves the house, how are we going to know they're your family? They're going to die. When we live fearlessly for God, we need to keep an eye on our own household. Because I'll tell you what, Hollywood can't get between you and Jesus. No politician can get between you and Jesus. The only thing that can get between you and Jesus is what you do in your house are you going to put him first? Are you going to obey him? Are you going to follow him? What goes on inside our home is a lot more important than what goes on outside our home. But when did she put the, the, the cord in the window? When did she do it? As soon as they left, They drop out of the window, and almost like magic, scarlet cord flops out of the window. (laughs) Back-to-back verses. They leave, she puts the cord in the window. No hesitation. When God tells us to do something, we kind of got to do it right now. And so you will be expected, point number four, to act immediately. What if the spies had left and immediately turned around with an army, and she was being lazy? What if, what if, what if in, in the midst of that, she had a change of heart? She had to act immediately to obey God. We have to act immediately to obey God. Rahab didn't just stand up to her enemies. As a matter of fact, her enemies should have been the Israelites. But she decided to align herself with them and with their God against her own country, against her own people, against her own king. Because she recognized that there is a greater king, a king of kings, a lord of lords, one that deserves our undying allegiance, that deserves our immediate action. And that's all well and good, right? Everything I've shared about Rahab is is great, but she's not just relegated to the Old Testament, y'all. There's some fun stuff we read about in the New Testament with Rahab. The unfortunate thing, though, is every time she's brought up, her occupation's right beside it. In Hebrews 11, right, the hall of faith, right? You got Moses, you got Samson, Joshua, Sarah, King David. You got all these amazing generals of the faith. And then what does it say? It says, and Rahab the harlot it's like can't you can't you like breathe her name without saying prostitute why almost every single time she's mentioned there are a couple exceptions but almost every single time that she is mentioned the word harlot follows right after why because the lord wanted the folks who read that to know that it's not too late It wasn't to shame her. It wasn't to keep dragging up her past, although some people will try and do that. They'll bring up those failures. They'll bring up those mistakes. But the Lord is saying it's not too late. I don't care what kind of lifestyle you have. I don't care what kind of sins you've committed in the past. I don't care what it is that you've done. It's not too late to recognize who God is and to follow him. And see, she didn't just deliver her family in Jericho. Nah, she did something else. And, and to, to understand what that is, we're going to have to jump over into Matthew. Um, <laughs> Matthew chapter 1, verse 5. Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of who? King David. And from the bloodline of David, who do we get? Jesus Christ. So Rahab, she meets Salmon. Who is Salmon? Has anyone ever read the name Salmon in the Bible except for that passage right there? I'm not surprised. There's literally one verse in Scripture aside from this one that has that name in it. It's in 1 it's in Chronicles chapter 2, verse 51. And we find that Salmon is an architect, Anyone want to take a wild guess what town he's considered the father of? Bethlehem. Trick question. (laughs) Now, why is Bethlehem famous? Jesus was born. (laughs) Jesus is from Bethlehem. And the guy who is known as the father of Bethlehem, the architect, Salmon. So Rahab, she finds herself a man. And that man obviously got a job and some income. He's a civic leader, right? So where did she find this guy? We find out later on in Joshua chapter six that, well, Jericho's kind of gone, right? So she has to leave. She has to move somewhere else. Well, she's aligned herself with the God of the Israelites. So she goes with them. And at some point while she's with them, either she sees Salmon or Salmon sees her and sparks fly. They have a son, Boaz. And one day Boaz was gleaning in the field. And he sees Ruth. And Ruth is talking to, to Naomi and saying that the, the, your God is gonna be my God. And Boaz and Ruth, they like each other, and sparks fly. And then what happens? Boaz to Obed, to Jesse, to David down the line to Jesus. When you, when you read that in Matthew 1, a lot of people skip over it. They see a list of names and they're just like, nope. So it's not interesting, right? But when you read that, what do you see? You find out all the people that are in the lineage of Christ. People from, people from Africa. People from, from all over the known world. That Rahab is in there, a prostitute. That They're Gentiles in his lineage. Obviously, Jesus ain't ashamed of it because he put it in his own book. What are you ashamed of? What have you done? What keeps you up at night? What are the, the fears that you've let take over? I've let a lot of fears take over in my life at various points. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna share something with you guys that uh, I've shared in like vineyard and small groups and stuff, but I've never actually shared from the stage of a church before. So I hope this goes okay. <laughs> uh, in 2016, a lot of things in my life fell apart. I, uh, uh, the church that I was serving at uh, dissolved and merged with another church, and all of our leadership uh, was basically jobless. I was let go from my other job that I had. I wasn't being a very good husband to my wife, and uh, everything just kind of tanked immediately. In the course of about two months, I went from being just high on life to the lowest of the low. I was depressed, I was suicidal, and that lasted for over a year. 2017, worst year of my life. 2020, breeze in comparison. But God showed up. God showed up because I didn't give up. I continued to follow Him, I continued to trust Him, and it was not easy. If you've never experienced that, I don't really know how to communicate to you what that darkness feels like. You can read Scripture and you can read about the light at the end of the tunnel. But then you get up and you walk out of your room and I swear you can't see it. It's, it's, it. The darkness itself is blinding. But I got through it with God's help. Rahab delivered her whole family with God's help. And now we get to celebrate as we see that Rahab the harlot is in Jesus Christ's lineage. It's never too late. You're never too far gone. You've never done too much. I asked a moment ago, what are you ashamed of? What mistakes have you made? You don't actually need to tell me. I don't care. Because you're here this morning. Jesus is here too. The Holy Spirit is here. God is here. You know, it's easy. The Bible says where two or more are gathered, there he is in your presence. Well, I don't know how to count, but we got over 100, so <laughs> God's here, and he's inside of you, and he loves you, and he wants to make a covenant with you through Jesus Christ. See, that's, that's what Jesus kind of came to do, Right? That's why we're under what we call the new covenant. This covering of God is from Jesus. And so maybe you're here today and you don't know what it means to be fearless. You haven't experienced that unyielding love that God has for you. Maybe you want to know what it's like to be able to stand up like Rahab to your own people. Maybe you want to know what it's like to have that kind of faith. And I want to tell you today that if you want that, Jesus wants you too. He loves you. He loves you so much. He died for you. He didn't stay dead, but but now there's this covenant available to you, this covering that is available to you. And as everything falls apart around you, your house won't crumble. So maybe you've never accepted Jesus. Maybe you've never asked him to be the Lord of your life or maybe you asked him years ago, but ever since then you haven't walked it out like Rahab did. So you see in the book of James, we get that verse, faith without works is dead. The example that James gives, Rahab the harlot, she walked it out. See, when he says that she was saved by her works, he, he, he's not talking about salvation. Right? John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Belief gets you into heaven. But when you do the works part of it, when that faith empowers you to doing godly things, you know what happens? Heaven comes to you here on earth. God comes down. And that's what God did with Rahab and Jericho. That's why when you look at those four walls and they're all crumbling and you see that single solitary sliver with her house on it, it's because she was obedient. It's because in that moment, it wasn't about her salvation, it was about her physical rescue. James says that she was saved by her works. She was rescued by her works. You don't got to do a single work to get to heaven. You just got to believe on Jesus. But if you want your time on earth to be a little bit better, (laughs) I might recommend a few works. might recommend obeying God, standing up to your enemies, standing up to your friends, standing up and saying that I know I am afraid, but I am not going to let it control me. I am going to move forward and trust God. Amen. Amen. So I want to give you guys a moment today. If you don't know Jesus, or if you just kind of have an idea of him from a long time ago, and you want to either dedicate your life to Christ, or say, today marks a new day, and rededicate, I want to give you that opportunity. And so if you would, close your eyes, bow your heads, and if that's you, if I just described you in either of those two categories, I want you to pray this with me. And everyone else, it's a good prayer to pray. You can pray too. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, I love you. I recognize that I have sinned. But like Rahab, I recognize that it's not too late for me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. I believe in you. I want to follow you. Please rescue me. Help me to live for you so that I can spend eternity with you. I give you my life, Lord, and I trust you with it. Amen. If you prayed that, welcome home. We love you. God loves you. It's never too late, friends. Ever. Never, ever, ever, ever too late. God's not ashamed of Rahab. God is not ashamed of you either. He's not ashamed of me and all my dirtiness. God bless you.